Hey guys, so this is a little post-recording intro here. I had a wonderful chat with a Catholic, military wife, homesteading mom of five who also has twins, and they just started their homesteading journey like three years ago. And it just kind of gave me hope for self-sufficiency and things like that, especially after all the 2020 and like toilet paper not on the shelves thing. So I really hope you guys enjoy this and uh, definitely hit up the links uh, in the show notes and let me know if you like it. Welcome to the Holy Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host, Heather, and this is the podcast where we strive for holiness even when everything in the world and our personal lives can feel like it's a massive hot mess. From deep theological chats to simple practical advice, we talk about it all here, all in hopes that we can encourage each other to keep our eyes, hearts, and minds set on heaven. Um, just to start, tell me who you are, a little bit of your faith, um, and then we'll get into like how you live your life now, which fascinates me and is the dream. But <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, my, go ahead. Name is, my name is Jenny. Um, I am part of the blog, uh, or I run the blog Simplicity Ever After. Um, I'm actually a convert to Catholicism. Um, I grew up. I was baptized Lutheran in in oh, okay. Germany. I'm from I'm from Germany. Really? Um, and there, it's a bit different over there. You have the Evangelical Church and yeah. you have the Catholic Church. Um, and so I was baptized in the evangelical church, but, um, my parents didn't really practice the faith. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, I sort of went on and off, um, <laughs> being a bit of a party girl for a while and then, um, dabbling back into Christianity and then, you know, dabbling with the occult. Like I was all over the place. Oh my um, gosh. Okay. I so I have a little bit of like a similar, like I did occulty stuff when I was younger, yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of people get into it. It's it's so dangerous. Yeah, um, yeah to definitely. get sucked into that because it's it seems so fun and harmless. And yeah, it does. That's yeah, how so, it gets you. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. So, um, but when I was twenty five, I met my husband in a little hole in the wall pie shop in Los Angeles in downtown. Um, and I met this. I saw this guy there. Um, and I saw him, and I thought that's my husband. I'm going to marry this man one day. I don't know how I knew, but I just did. Uh, and then he, you know, we started talking. Mm -hmm. So I'm just putting the phone down to a, a feed baby, but that's all right. <laughs> I, uh, we started talking and um, in this conversation, uh, he told me that he was Catholic and, you know, that that was the most important part of his life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, whatever. Um, but yeah. I was, you know, but I, I was already convinced that this was my husband. So yeah. Him. Um, you know, I mean, I knew that I could either get up and leave and never talk to him again, or I could listen. And I, and I listened. Um, and, and we had a lot of really great conversations um, as we sort of started to become friends and we clearly liked each other. And so we were courting, but uh, very innocently. So, and yeah, um, and we had a lot of conversations. We would meet up in, you know, after work and we would have picnics, at, you know, and uh, on hikes and we would talk about God and all of these different questions. And he ended up, you know, turning my whole, every time that I thought that I got him, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him with this. Like, he won't know how to answer that. Um, he changed my whole worldview on 
everything. Yeah. Um, and I was still trying to sort of impress him when I asked him, like, can I go to mass with you? Um, and he said, no. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Don't you, <sighs> wouldn't you want me to go to mass with you? And he said, well, yeah, but I don't want you right now. You're going to mass because you're trying to impress me. And I don't want you to impress me. I want you to go to mass because of God. Because you want um, to go to mass. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, so that was pretty powerful. And, um, but he did invite me to, um, he was, um, he was uh, part of a young adult group um, at a very large church, and he was sort of one of the people running it. And um, he invited me to a talk of his, uh, and then there was adoration afterwards. And I had my very own conversion moment there. Wow. And then I went through RCIA. I had to go through that whole ordeal. I, I went to the priest and I was like, can, can you just like make me Catholic? And he's like, yeah, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. And uh, so I went through that. And um, uh, on the night that I got confirmed into the Catholic Church, um, we shortly afterwards, my, um, my husband, then still boyfriend said, hey, um, can we pray by the tabernacle? And I said, yeah, sure. And uh, we went to pray, and uh, he got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. So, oh my gosh, uh, I just got chills. <laughs> That's so sweet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he was like, "I had to wait till you were Catholic." <laughs> oh, but as soon, like, like as soon as you were Catholic for no one time. minute, though, <laughs> I did not waste a minute. So, yeah. Um, oh, that's yeah. So, so that was so yeah. That was a uh, sort of how um, how that started, um, mm -hmm. and and you know, fast forward. Um, that was we were married almost six year uh, almost six years anniversaries this month um mm -hmm. and uh, uh now we live in north carolina he joined the military uh we live in north carolina and we have a homestead where we garden uh and we have chickens and meat rabbits and we have five kids <laughs> yeah so six yeah. years and five kids Yes, yes. Oh and one in heaven. So there were six kids in six years. Oh so my goodness yeah. gracious. Wow. It, we my hands um, are full. <laughs> yeah. Your heart is full too. That's always my biggest like pet peeve when we're out. It um it drives me crazy when I'm out in public and people make comments like that. Because like, yeah, one, like obviously, but two, I'm <laughs> always like, what? how are my children receiving these comments? You know what I mean? Because they're not always charitable. And it's really like, I, I know, I guess like I, people don't really know what to say when there's like, we had four in four years. And so um, at one point I had four kids, four and under and um, you know, it, yeah, it was chaos. And, but like they have each other and they have friends, like, it's so beautiful too. And so it's so disheartening when you live in a world where like the average is like 2.1 children or whatever, it might even be less than two now. Cause I know we're like in a decline, but, um, per family, then it's like, we walk in Sam's club and people make like, you know, you can know I, can I take that. one of them off you your hands? Like things like that. I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Do you know how that happens? I'm like, can we just keep our comments to ourselves? Like it's, it's always refreshing whenever you see someone that's just like, Oh my gosh, what a blessing. Look at all these beautiful mm -hmm. kids, you know, like, I'm like, can we just keep the other comments to, to ourselves? Luckily, I've been on the receiving end for, of those positive comments mostly. Yeah. Um, but when it's a negative one, I try to just smile and say, yeah, and look how amazing they are. Or yeah. if they're very rude, then I'm like, you know, they can hear you. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? That's you know, a good I, I let them know. I, I'm like, you know, they're, they're 
they're they have not ears. items. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're people. Um, yeah. They have feelings. And uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. The kids do, do hear it. And it's important that they hear us you know, tell other people how, how valuable they really are. Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like there's been so many generations. Um, and like, I don't want to get political, but I think it's probably started a lot with like the sexual revolution and stuff in the sixties that we've had these generations and generations that have looked at children as a burden to career, to travel, to whatever. So now you have these kids who are growing up in homes where they were made to be felt feel like a burden um to their parents priorities or their travel or their finances you know like that's projected onto these kids and then they grow up and become adults and they're doing the same thing you know what I mean so I always see that when these people say those things I the first thing I think of is like oh man your parents must have made you feel like a burden to them if you're looking at my children which are joys in my life and projecting onto them that they are somehow a burden because there's many of them you know like (laughs) it's just so sad um yeah Okay, so tell me how you, were you, you were living in LA, so you were clearly not somebody (laughs) who was like homesteading on the radar. (laughs) So how did you even evolve to the point of homesteading? Okay, so I grew up as a city girl, literally, my my father um, was a diplomat for Germany. And so we moved to big cities all over the world. I'm talking capital metropolitan cities. Yeah. so we didn't even have pets. Um, so <laughs> I was I was not not a country girl at all. Um, and honestly, um, it didn't. When we got married, we we always look at our wedding pictures. And we're like, look how different we were back then. Because my husband liked horses, but he wasn't really a country boy either. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, he joined the U.S. military um, in 2016. Um, so shortly before we got married and, um, after we had it for us, it actually started with our lady of Fatima. <laughs> I don't really share this on the blog that much because it doesn't make sense to most people who follow me. Yeah. Um, so, but in 2018, um, so I had a stillbirth. Um, I lost a little daughter at 37 weeks and oh two gosh. days. I was, I was already in labor. Um, there was a lot going on. I knew something wasn't quite right. And mm-hmm. the midwife working, working with me at this, this military hospital, um, just sort of brushed me off for weeks. And I said, look, something's, something's wrong. wrong. And she basically just said, look, I'm the professional, you're the client. So, um, just shut up basically. Yep. Um, so sure enough, um, you know, baby did not make it. They didn't find a heartbeat by the time I got to the hospital. Um, so there was a, you know, God gave me huge grace to to be at peace with that um, and to, it was very, very, very strong moment there. But, um, you know, the weeks after were the most difficult ones. I had a one-year-old boy um, and suffering this, this loss. You know, this was not yeah. the kind of thing that happens to you. It happens to other people, but it never yeah. happens to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but our faith grew so strong from this. And um, I was, <laughs> do you ever have like a saint just kind of try and reach out to you and yeah. be your friend? Yeah. Yes, um, I have. So, I've had yes. many stories like that. Crazy. Right. So as I think every Catholic sort of <laughs> understands that. Sorry, my, my baby is not happy with me right now. No, she's um, 
So um, I had uh, I had that, and it was it was actually Our Lady of Fatima was seeking seeking me out, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, in prayer, it sort of it was funny because my husband got the same message privately in his personal prayer prayer life, wow. but uh, in 2018, I started to be sought out by Our Lady of Fatima, who sort of put it on my heart. She was like, something really bad is going to happen in the world, something really bad, and I need you to prepare. Um, wow. And so I was like, that is so weird. Okay. And so my, my husband and I were talking about this because we got the same message personally. Yeah. Um, we were like, well, what could possibly happen? You know, we're the kind of people who like to look at the world and like to discuss things and stuff. So, um, we started to just sort of see, we realized that this world that we are, um, that we're living in, uh, the way that we are getting everything, you know, our food, our, um, you know, Amazon prime, all of these things, it gives us pretty much everything that we could possibly want yeah. just quite instantly. And, um, and we realized just how fragile that system actually is. Like we, we looked at the supply chain of how we're getting our food and how we're able to feed our kids and, and how we're able to get electricity. And we're like, well, what if one day that's not there anymore? Like, what do we do then? Yeah. <laughs> and we hated that. We hated that idea. So at first we became preppers, <laughs> uh, which you're not supposed to say. The first rule of being a prepper is don't mention you're a prepper. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, we very quickly into that realized, okay, but one day that's those preps are going to run out if there truly is a scenario where everything kind of goes up in the air. Like, yeah. And then what do you do? How do you rebuild? And so we realized we had to learn skills. And um, back then we were living in the city. We had a, uh, we were in a military town. Uh, so we had a house with a garden. Uh, it was just a quarter acre. Um, and we started gardening and we mm-hmm. uh, killed everything in our first garden. <laughs> Literally <laughs> did everything wrong that you could possibly do wrong. I did it wrong. Um, and but I was determined. I was like, no, our lady told me. <laughs> yeah, I have to figure this so out. I need to learn this. Yeah. And um, so I started doing research like crazy. And also what we did was, OK, well, what if, you know, those big supply chains don't work? Um, how do we get food? And we realized, well, there are farms <laughs> nearby. And so we started taking our son to all of these different farms and mm-hmm. um, and started to talk to the farmers and we actually got everything delivered to our house um, from uh, from these farms and uh, just but it was all local local milk cheeses um, we met a guy who was selling us beef and he's we still get our beef from him mm-hmm. um, and um, but we also tried to do as much as we possibly could we turned our uh, coat closet into uh, a canning pantry and I started to learn how to can yeah. and um, yeah just and we ended up getting chickens and then 2020 hit and we were like oh that's what she was talking about yeah so by the time that it hit everybody was sort of freaking out you know all the store the, the shelves at the stores were empty and we were so just on our knees thanking God the entire time because we were we had a garden that was mm-hmm. um, that was producing well at this point. This was, you know, uh, we had two a, years uh, later. Two years later, we had some mm-hmm. practice. Um, you know, we had um, 
and, but that was really we had everything that we needed we already mm -hmm. the, the farmers they were still bringing their milk they were still milking their cows so it didn't matter that the stores didn't have milk we mm -hmm. did yeah so there was there was something very um you know we were very at peace knowing that we would be okay like our kids didn't even realize my none of my children ever knew that there was a pan pandemic yeah because we just lived life as we do our church community was very strong at that time and the church stayed open it was one of the few oh, wow. that stayed open yeah. um and um so they never noticed yeah <laughs> uh, which was great uh you know and um but in and then in 2020 or 2021 that was sort of when i decided to do a blog because i was like well and that was put on my heart too in prayer it was share this information that you have mm -hmm. with other people uh not because you're great or anything but because you you figured out a way that really gives you food security and really helps you to make sure that your children will be okay yeah. um so i wanted that for other other families too um yeah. and and that's that's where we are they we, pretty much the pandemic just really set us off to to find land yeah and for us it took over a year uh to find this property um so and that's sort of where we're at uh we're just basically just expanding what we've been doing so you only had your blog since last year yeah <laughs> yeah wow um really short. <laughs> so the one of the main reasons why I even started this podcast was because I was a cradle Catholic um, and just horribly catechized. Like I was 26 years old and I had been married for three years already. And I just finally learned that like what the Eucharist was. Okay. Like, I don't know if I thought it was a symbol. I don't know what I thought it was, but I did not, like, I literally had a Thomas moment where like I started <laughs> diving into my faith and I'm like, reading all these books and theology. And I'm like, I'm like legitimately reading Thomas Aquinas. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, this is like mind blowing stuff. And I walked into mass one day and they lifted that host. And I was just like, that's God, you know? And, and, and then everything made sense. You know, I was like, it, it, that's God. And I fully believe that with my heart. Therefore, like my whole life has to change, you know? And, um, so I, I felt like there's, there's all this apologetic stuff that you can listen to about like defending the faith. But I thought there's this entire group of people who were raised Catholic and the amount of them who leave the church is just astonishing. And you yeah. would never leave the church if you actually knew the church. You know what I mean? Like if you knew that that was Jesus and he fully knew that in your heart, you would never leave. And, and so there was something put on my heart where it was like, you have an ability to like not dumb things down, but like you've done so much research and you can communicate this in like layman's terms um, where moms can, you know, put in their earbuds while they're nursing a baby and be like, oh my gosh, I've been a cradle Catholic my whole life. And I didn't understand that that's why we pray to Mary, you know, like things like that. And so this, it was kind of the same principle. I'm like, there's a way um, that like God puts something on your heart and gives you you know, that zeal for the information or um, the research, but it's like, then you were asked to, okay, now go share that for people who might need an easier way to stumble across it. And I don't, I don't know why or how I even found you, but we have like, I think we're on maybe a third or a half an anchor. I can't tell, 
Um, we've got a decent backyard and it backs up to a bayou. Um, and oh, nice. we're, in, we're in Louisiana, so it gets, it gets pretty scorchy. Um, here. <laughs> and, uh, but we have, we started a tiny little garden when we lived in New York, literally just for education purposes and for like hobby, um, you know, grew some tomatoes, whatever. But then we moved here and we started with like two little raised beds and now there's four and now there's a berry <laughs> patch and there's grapes and, um, and you know, there was just something about, I have a hard time with things that are, I'm very all or nothing. So it's like, if I say I want a homestead, then Brandon would be like, slow down. We're not buying a cow, you know, like, um, but it's, it's really encouraging to watch you. And now that I know that like, you haven't even had a very long journey, that's even more motivating, um, to be like, you don't need a huge plot of land to start. You know what I mean? Like start, do something. If you can break the supply chain, to make minimalize it, you know, like even if you're just making and canning your own tomatoes, like exactly that's food that can I, nourish your family, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way that I describe or the way that I define homesteading is it's simply a lifestyle of self-sufficiency. Um, you don't need to have land to I actually started the blog when I was still in the city. Yeah. And that was the whole thing back then was um you don't you don't need to have land to to homestead because you don't. Um, a lot of these things are cooking from scratch. They are preserving food and having a garden. Um, and I mean, there is a um, a a family who lives in California, and they're actually quite famous. I don't know their. I forgot their name, but they live on a tenth of an acre, and they grow six thousand pounds of food every year. Um, is it the? Just, is he on YouTube? Is it a? Is it a guy? I don't know. I, I just hear about it all the time. It's it's I I, I heard a documentary about them, but they mm-hmm. use permaculture methods to um, uh, to basically grow that much food and they eat everything from their own garden. So, I mean, they live in in the city. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can absolutely do that. And, and I got in my research um, after that failed garden and that winter, I decided to really do research on to figure it out. And I came across permaculture and it was basically just um, the idea that, uh, you know, you can, if you stop fighting nature and rather you can work with it, you can actually make nature be your workhorse for you. And that was such a big revolutionary moment for me that, um, that I didn't have to fight nature by constantly pulling weeds. Um, yeah, so, and that was great for me because I have so many little kids. I'm like, I don't have time for weeds, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. So uh, you had actually um, posted something about like the, maybe it was a reel or whatever, but it was something about like the most ridiculous lie that's mm-hmm. been, and it was about lawns. Um, and, and that this, you know, because it's monocropping and, yeah. Um, and so it's funny because we've been trying to regrow our grass in our backyard. We had renters here cause we're military also. So when we were in New York, we had renters and they had a million dogs and they trashed our yard. So we've been trying to grow grass. Um, yeah. and for years we were spraying it with like, we had a weed guy who came, you know, and you posted that and it made me like deep dive into anything, everything. And I thought, okay, we would probably be able to take care, like, nature would take care of these bald spots in the grass if we allowed what nature wanted to grow there to grow 
And so we did. And what's been nuts is all during the spring, I have like a little app where I can scan a plant and it'll tell me what it is. I got those too. Uh, yeah, right. I love it. So <laughs> I love for, it. Uh, during the spring, like all these weeds are popping up. But instead of looking at them as weeds, I was like, this is a plant. Like this maybe isn't this St. Augustine grass, but it's still a plant and it's still <laughs> establishing roots like in my yard, you know? So I'm taking pictures and we find it's, it wasn't a dandelion. It was, um, sow thistle and, um, which looks a lot like dandelions. And so, you know, me and the kids are like, oh, this is how you tell the difference, whatever. Well, my daughter had been battling with, um, molluscum contagiosum. Have any of your kids had, had that yet? No, I don't even know what that is. So it's like little bumps <laughs> that gets on their skin, but it can last six months to like 18 months. Oh they, goodness. hers lasted almost three years and they would get infected. And then I'd take her to the doctor and they'd want to put her on antibiotics. And I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, like it was just this whole thing. And, um, we could not get rid of them. Well, it turns out like in ancient remedies, this sow thistle has like, a when you pluck it, it has like a milk that comes out of it. And if you apply the milk to those um, little bumps on her skin, it cured her in like a month and a half of something we'd been battling for three years. And it was just so funny because I was like, all because like we have been spraying our yard, you know? And so I got super, my husband is still very on, he wants the yard to look nice. I get it. That's like a typical American man thing that you have to, you know, but I did, um, like I canceled the weed guy and I said, uh, I told Brandon first that we just don't have enough grass in the backyard, that you're just wasting money at that point. We, we need to allow something to establish and like regenerate this, this ground. Yeah. But, um, but also when we established a decent garden, I was like, I don't want any of that stuff sprayed near my food, you know, like, um, sure. so Absolutely. yeah, so it was just, it's just funny that when you, you know, when you do share those things, it can open these rabbit holes for other people to be like, okay, wait a minute. Like I deep dove on meat rabbits and I know people give you so much crap about your meat rabbits. <laughs> how did you so guys much for that? Yes, yeah, so much. So, much. That. <laughs> so how did you even start with meat rabbits? Is it is it a land thing? And so you're like, we need something that will give so, us meat. Yeah. So um can you still hear me? My connection sometimes messes yeah. up in the country. Okay, yeah, I got you. Um, yeah. <laughs> the way we got into rabbits is um, my son, um, we had a a really mean rooster and we back in the city. We were not allowed to have a rooster. He was a jerk anyway. So we were like, okay, let's get rid of this guy. Yeah. Um, but we were not ready to butcher chickens, right? So we found somebody who said, I will take the rooster. I have a little homestead in, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit further out and I'll just take in any animal. So we brought this like jerk rooster over there and we're talking to this guy uh, with his family and they had pigs and they had rabbits and they had a peacock running around and a turkey and, and chickens. And it was just wild. Um, and my son who, um, uh, my son was just with the rabbits and he was just mesmerized by them and he loved them. And so we're like, well, it's got to get him a rabbit now. Yeah. <laughs> so we, got, we, so we, I did a bit of research and I was like, you know what? They're really easy to, to take care of and they're great for uh, their manure is perfect for the garden. Mm -hmm. So let's just do it. Um, and as I came across it, I came across the meat that people eat it. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, that's wild. Why would anybody eat a cute animal like that? Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I sort of, I'm a, I'm a history gal. I like to, to to read how 
people used to live in, mm -hmm. in other times. And it turns out uh, before the 1920s, uh, chicken was really rarely eaten by anybody. And what people had were rabbits because they, um, you know, it's a very, very fast renewing meat source yeah. that does not require a lot of space, uh, does not make noise, and it's very, very easy to um, to grab one and to, to you know, to process. Mm -hmm. And they are extremely high in protein, much more so than beef even, much wow. higher protein. So they are leaner but mm -hmm. they are very high protein so very very healthy so we started to look into it at the time we were still in the city so we were like you know what let's just get two uh, two does two mm -hmm. rabbit does as pets and we'll use their manure in the garden and then when we have more land we can consider whether if things ever go bad all we need to do is add a male and then and then they'll reproduce yeah right so that was sort of how we started this and then when we found our our homestead we wanted to have more um and we started with cages <laughs> um and i hated it i did not like having my rabbits in cages and basically the highlight of their day was when i came over and gave them food and they were by themselves it just they just seemed so bored with life and i was mm -hmm. like you know we do everything here permaculture like our chickens are free ranging you know this just doesn't fit and yeah. so we established a colony mm -hmm. and i get I get a lot of flack just for that because most meat rabbit breeders have them in cages and they think it's uh, that every rabbit is going to die if they touch the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you get a lot of, in that community, there's a lot of hate for, for colonies as well. But I, I loved it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do love it, actually. So we have a, a really big enclosure. We have, well, we started with six does and one buck. Um, and we did once again, everything wrong. It took about six months, uh, for us to really get it right. And now it's the most harmonious thing. Like if I ever need a break throughout the day and just sort of regroup, I go to my rabbits because they just things, um, we, but, but, you know, we, we, we see them as livestock. We don't see them as pets. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big thing with homesteading. When you start raising your own meat, Every animal is cute, especially when they're young. Yeah. Baby chicks are adorable. You're like, how could I ever eat anything from you? Um, yeah, but they grow up. And and rabbits are really mean, <laughs> some of them. I had yeah. one uh, bite me to the bone, and I had no trouble with her. I was like, oh, see ya. See ya, bye. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but when you sort of, you know, you realize that you can give an animal a really amazing life. Mm -hmm. You know, for us, they run around, and they act like rabbits, and they are um they are with their kind and they're actually very social animals um and when we and then we process them ourselves mm -hmm. we it's always hard it's always hard to process an animal whether it's a chicken or whether it's a rabbit i feel like it must make you much more grateful yes it, you you appreciate your food a lot more mm -hmm. but also it's it's this you know i'm giving you a, it's a symbiotic relationship with our animals because we give them good lives and they give us food that's mm -hmm. sort of see it and 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 we process them with the utmost respect we have a method that we use that the rabbit is dead instantly it doesn't realize what's going on and it doesn't feel any kind of pain at all if there if it wasn't like that i don't think we could do it yeah um, 
but knowing that the animal does not suffer for a single moment in their life, mm-hmm. uh, that is, you know, that gives me a lot of peace, especially when I looked into factory farming and how all of the meat that's in our store, how that is treated. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if I have the opportunity to not take part in that, then I have an obligation mm-hmm. to do so because God gave us this earth. Mm-hmm. He made a steward of this earth, stewards of this earth, and asked us to take care of it and all of its inhabitants. And right now we're doing a terrible job at it, you know? Yeah. Um, and you don't, that does, you know, you don't have to be political to, to see that. Uh, yeah. That, you know, like that is just a fact that, you know, we have these huge fields with monocrops, like you were saying earlier. They're terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that animals are treated um, for mass consumption, just so that some companies can make profit, it's just, I, you know, so we, we were like, we don't want to take part in that. And so yeah, uh, we tried to raise our own chickens, but uh, I'm, we're really bad at raising chickens for meat. Yeah. Uh, eggs it's great (laughs) but for meat it's just not not our thing so we outsource that but we do have rabbits and Mm -hmm. and the great thing is with rabbit meat you can substitute any substitute it for any like chicken meat yeah any sort of white meat yeah yeah it's very similar um and so that is sort of how we got into that but i a lot of people are not ready for it now there are a lot of people who have looked into it and even gotten rabbits through my blog which is just i love it when people write to me they're like i got rabbits for the first time like hey i butchered my first rabbit for the first time like this is amazing have this this source of protein that we can have at home Mm -hmm. um you know that is ethically raised for our family and we don't have to worry too much um what's going on with supply chains mm-hmm. uh, and that's essentially what i'm trying i just want everybody to 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 have that kind of freedom yeah you know there was when everything with russia and ukraine was happening and people started talking about supply chain issues with all of that um you know there was there was like the two camps it was like people were either like absolutely paranoid or there were people that were like eh, god will take care of me <laughs> And I was kind of like, God has taken care of us. He gave us the earth. So if you're dependent on Walmart <laughs> and not, you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of fallacy of like, oh, God, God will take care of us. I'm like, oh, God never said it was going to be easy or, you know, but, but yeah, that's, that's such a, even just instilling in my kids that like food is not you know what I mean? Like, can you imagine how many kids in America think that like food comes from grocery stores? They don't realize that it oh, yeah. comes from I know. farms. I, I was, I was a, a preschool teacher and I started a garden with them and, and asked them, Hey, where does, where does your celery come from? And they're like, Trader Joe's. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, no, no, <laughs> it does not. <laughs> where do they get it? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's terrifying. It's a great thing to teach the kids though. Yeah. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about if somebody were interested in <laughs> starting, where would you point them? I would say start where you are. And we started with a loaf of bread. <laughs> we started with just trying to cook from scratch. You can you have more control over what is in your food. Pretty much everything at the grocery store is processed in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so start with something simple, like a loaf of bread. It's a huge thing to be able to say, well, the 
you know, to see the shelves of bread being empty, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. I've I've bread at home. It's and I can make bread. Yeah. And and because I know how to make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you have the ability to start a container garden or even a small, uh, you know, raised bed garden, mm -hmm. start there. Um, if you, you know, you don't need to go out and buy 80 acres. There's no need for that. We oh. only have three and mm -hmm. we are, um, we, we, pre we have, that is more space than we can handle right now. But, yeah. um, uh, you know, and just take one step at a time and it's, and, and what you can't do, and this is what I say is, is one of the most important things is localize your food sources, mm -hmm. um, localize your food sources because, there are farmers all around you. I always say to people, call your your county's ag extension office because every county has one and oh, cool. ask them, um, where are my local farmers? Mm -hmm. Who's producing food? Who are the beekeepers? Who are the, the milk people? Who are, you know, all mm -hmm. of that. Um, and go to them and make friends with them because if things were ever really bad, they'll know you and they're they will always be stocked. Let me tell you a little story about that. In January over here, mm -hmm. um, my area gets hit with um, about one or two snowstorms. We have very mild winters. So uh, the state is not really, our, our, our area is just not quite used to it. Mm -hmm. But there's only one or two snowstorms and we will lose power because all of our power lines are overground and we mm -hmm. have very tall pine trees. And so they come down with these trees. Uh, so everybody was preparing and panic buying because mm -hmm. we would probably lose power. And we did. We ended up losing power for up to 10 days um, here in North Carolina, in our area. It was really bad. So when the stores were empty, I literally went to every single grocery store that I could think of to buy enough milk for my kids because they love their milk. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't, I went to five different grocery stores. They were all out. And I was like, Hold on. And so I went to um, a few farm stands that I knew. And guess what? They were fully stocked. And yeah. nobody they were still milking their cows. Nobody thought to go there. And mm -hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, we'll get more in tomorrow or blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was, the, you know, it was great because nobody was shopping there. I had, you know, the entire store filled to the brim with locally grown produce. And mm -hmm. um, I just ended up buying. We ate like kings that week. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so know your local farmers and because most people cannot grow everything themselves. I also, for me, it would never, I would never want to be completely fully self-sufficient because that's kind of, you can't do everything perfectly. It's, it's, it's much better to have a good community of producers. Yeah. So In a close community though, good, like yeah, Walmart is not your community. They don't no, care about your well-being. You know what I mean? But like, if you're buying from a farmer and then that farmer says like, oh, you guys have a great tomato crop, like, and you say, well, I'll give you some canned tomato. You know what I mean? Like you create this really, it's kind of like with the rabbits, like this symbiotic kind of you give, I give thing because there's relationship there, you know? Right. Uh, it's so a great thing for your kids too, to, to learn from, because they can go to these farmers and learn how to, you know, how to do other things that you don't have at home. It's a really great really it's just fantastic to go to the farms on the weekends the kids love it and you mm -hmm. have an easy day no one bouncing off the walls yeah um, yeah and and you're you're taking back ownership over your health 
-hmm. and you're taking back ownership over your food sources. You're not going to say to Walmart that, you know, that it's up to them for me to be able to feed my kids. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it's up to me. Yes. (laughs) Um, there's so localize your food sources and what you can do yourself do it like we had to scrap our garden with the newborn this summer I did not care for one bit because I have 10 farm stands that I know who are producing enough food around me so I was like okay well I'm not gardening this summer whoop-de-doo okay that's fine yeah, I'm but still we still have food still getting locally grown food um and and it's and they even deliver it to me once a week it's fantastic so that's you know, awesome yeah so that's what i would say is, is start where you are mm-hmm. and call your local uh, ag office go to your farmers markets and talk to the people selling and say hey can i visit your farm do you guys sell in bulk um you know I, very often when farmers are at the end of a crop season they often have surplus that they're trying to get rid of before it goes bad and they'll sell it cheaper so you Mm -hmm. can actually save a ton of money like i can it yourself or whatever yeah you can preserve there are lots of different ways to preserve different types of food um look into that and you can you can build up storage for over the winter months and then you can still have freshly grown corn because a lot of people are like well you know organic produce is so expensive like, yes, it is, um, because you're buying it out of season. Yeah. Uh, you buy it when it's in season, when there's a surplus of it, you buy it from the farmer. Mm-hmm. Little pro tip, you pick farms uh, in the hour before they close for the weekend are going to try and just get rid of all of their stuff so that it doesn't go bad over Ooh, the interesting. weekend. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. They'll tell you, you know, buy one, get one free. That's how I, that's how I get most of my things for canning is I mm-hmm. just I go in that last hour and I and I grab just boxes of it, and then I just can, mm-hmm. and have or freeze it even, you know. And we have a ton of food for uh, to be able to put in storage that way for awesome. the winter. Yeah. Okay. So, can you tell me a little bit about um, your bundle? Are you running this bundle, or is somebody else in your contributor? So, okay. So a few weeks ago, I got asked to be part of a. Um, uh, a project called the off-grid homestead bundle and that is a collection of about 140 e-courses and ebooks on all things homesteading everything that we just talked about from raising chickens gardening preserving the food foraging for uh, herbal remedies or yeah. even own cosmetics mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, how to heal your gut like there's so many different topics in there even going like off-grid things like if somebody is interested in actually learning how to go fully off grid, how to install solar things. There's a lot of stuff in there on that too. Um, And so I submitted two books of mine, uh, uh, an ebook on how to raise chickens Mm -hmm. and another ebook on soil health, because that is is the one thing that if you want to be a successful gardener, gardener, all you need to know is how your soil needs to be treated for it to to grow that's really right so um and i expanded that i normally it's free on my website but i expanded it for this bundle and i added straw bale gardening uh because that was something that i learned this year and it saves a ton of money on soil i basically just turn around i'm like hey you don't need soil to grow um (laughs) so um this bundle um is normally if you buy all of these uh, individual items from the creators 
pages themselves, you're going to spend about $6,000, which is a lot of money that none of us have right now, right? So, um, but we put it together as a bundle and for only 10 days, it's going to be available for 50, a one-time fee for 50 bucks, which is just amazing. I'm going through this bundle and I'm learning so much. Like it's, it's genuinely amazing. I'm not just saying it because I'm part of it, but as it's truly like, if you want a homestead and you want to learn about these things, you've got an entire library mm-hmm. and you've, you know, lifetime access. And it's basically, I mean, all you're paying is 36 cents per item. That is That's crazy. Unheard yeah. of. <laughs> so, yeah. And it launched <laughs> on Friday, the 16th. Okay. And it is over on the 25th. Okay. So during that week, um, my, my whole blog is just going to be bundled because I really want people to have access to this. And because most of my followers, much like myself, are not exactly swimming in money these days. Yeah. 50 bucks is still a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So it's still, for for us, it would be something that would, we would still need to budget into our finances for the month. So I'm doing a ton of giveaways during that um, during that week, including, you know, $50 cash giveaways so that you basically get reimbursed for, for yeah. it. Um, because I want people to have access to this information. The only way to be free from this system, which I don't think is a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, The only way to break free from that is by learning skills and by, by doing it yourself. And this bundle has all of the information that one might need to even start a fall garden or to have chickens or, you know, any of these things. So that will be available. Um, starting Friday the 16th mm-hmm. until I believe it's Monday the 25th. Okay. So only awesome. for those 10 days. And then mm-hmm. it goes, all of the content goes back to the creator's pages. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to put the link to, cause I signed up for the, um, like you're on your email list to like be notified when it's, okay. you know, so I'll put that link in Thank here. Um, and then when there is a, like when you actually shoot out the bundle link, whenever that comes actually live on the 16th, I'll make sure that that's also in the notes. Um, so that people could act, if they listen to this on Friday versus Monday, they can access it. Um, I also, I have a friend who's like an online fitness coach and she's, she's a marketing whiz. And, um, we went out to dinner last night and she, she was trying to teach me how to do reels. (laughs) So I was like, Maybe I can try to make some sort of reel. So anyways, I'm going to try to do that to promote this episode. And when I do, I'll put all that stuff in the links too that way. Um, yeah, because I'm definitely like a baby beginner. We went out of town. We actually went to North Carolina. My in-laws have a beach house in the Outer Banks. So okay. we went to North Carolina and we were gone for like nine days and we came back and my entire garden was fried. Oh, no. And I, so because I was not, because um, I was motivated by you, like in January or whatever, I didn't trim back these like vining, this like vining plant that was vining in my backyard along the back fence. And well, it starts growing and I use my little picture app and I was like, oh my gosh, this is grapes. <laughs> so we have like <laughs> river, some sort of river crest grapes and muscadine grapes. So I'm like, this is awesome. So they start growing and they're growing all down our fence. I'm like, this is amazing. And they are not some animal has been eating all of the grapes. I'm so bummed because I was like, I'm gonna make wine. <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, so my kids like used the grapevines to like, they trained it. And so they made like a 
fort with the vines like coming up and over and and they loved it but um but the kids are like yeah there's no grapes in there i was like what in the world so uh i don't know what i need to do to help that next year maybe maybe something to like get rid of the gecko population (laughs) but it really is a learning curve with all of these things like like i said my first garden nothing not a single bit that i could eat myself nothing our rabbits six months before we tried meat rabbits this year for the first time and we just did not do well mm-hmm. maybe we'll try again probably not it's just you know we we have friends who have a poultry farm uh, 10 minutes from us so it's just not necessary yeah um, but you know a lot of people sort of expect like oh well if the supply chain goes down i'll just grow a garden it's like oh oh will you <laughs> no probably won't so it's maybe maybe learn that stuff first. Yeah, great thing to start now and to, you know, like I said, start where you are and and even if it's just one tomato plant with cherry tomatoes in your, you know, on a container, sunny, you know, like or some herbs in your kitchen or even I had a friend. She was um, she was just she's living in the city and she grew her own cabbage. <laughs> she just regrew it in her kitchen counter. She just put it in water and it just regrew all winter and she's like i haven't bought cabbage in six months i'm like there you go there you go Um, yeah um yeah we never did a uh in like january i planted some cold cooler weather stuff um and we had so much spinach that (laughs) and we put it in smoothies i'll throw it in soups you know it doesn't really have a flavor too much so i'll kind of throw it in anything kids don't know the difference um and I froze a bunch of it and I am still not out of my spinach. And it's like, it's almost time to plant spinach again. And it shot up so fast that I was like, there's some crops that like, you really can plant them and like, they will produce pretty nicely. Like we've got some, some bugs, the assassin bugs that like really good at our tomatoes. And so I had the learning curve with that was, yes, I've produced a lot of tomatoes, but if I don't pick them before they're ripe and allow them to like ripen indoors, then these bugs are going to get at them and then they're a waste. Um, So yeah, definitely there's like some learning curves, but this year we want to start like, we're going to try a fall garden. So we're going to, we're going to try that too, but I'm super excited about that bundle because um, I think there's, it's like decision information overwhelm sometimes like when you think I want to start a garden and then all of a sudden it's like so much information coming at you so um yeah so this will be nice to just like hone in oh it's great you know you never stop learning I'm still learning new things all the time and I love it that's what I love about homesteading is that you're always it's really I always say this God gives us gardens to keep us humble because Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing more humbling than a garden mm-hmm. you will think that oh I, i've got the tomatoes down i'm gonna grow so many tomatoes that year you will grow none <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you've got coffee um, yeah so, yeah exactly but but you'll grow something else and that you were not expecting at all and um yeah it's 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 really quite beautiful because you learn new things every time and you can learn alongside your kids and it's mm-hmm. such valuable lessons you know yeah that you can teach your children just through by being outside and enjoying nature and learning to not to fight it, but to work with it. And yeah. it's a very beautiful way of living. And it really does help you to slow down, turn off the screen for a bit and just sort of, you know, make you think, Hey, here I am. It doesn't matter what's going on out there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What's, 
what's all the madness which war is breaking out in which country like i am here and right now i am weeding my garden yeah yeah <laughs> that is there's there's something very very wonderful about that um awesome yeah I okay so can you tell me what your instagram handle is and your blog it's the same thing right is it the same the, almost the same thing so my blog is simplicityeverafter.com okay and my instagram handle is simplicityeverafterblog okay so i will i'll put both of those in the show links or um in the episode links but yeah it was super great talking to you i'm glad i got to I appreciate yeah. you taking yeah absolutely Okay, guys, so that was a super enjoyable talk, and um, I love, love doing this podcast because I get to meet just really awesome humans and interact with them on a more personal level that I otherwise wouldn't get to, and so it was super enjoyable. I just want to give a shout out to Jenny if she listens to this back. Um, She was just a treasure, and she's somebody who... Uh, is like humble and encouraging but sweet and we ended up talking for like almost an hour after ending the recording about um, you know military life and twins and babies and I I just I just am just want to say that I'm super super blessed to be able to do this and meet people Um, whether it's people who listen and send me emails or DM me um or people like Jenny that I get to talk to. So just thank you guys for the opportunity because it's it's just been really cool to talk to people. But I will have all the links that we talked about in this episode um, in the show notes. I'm trying to be better at updating things on my website. Not even sure anybody ever goes there. So I don't know if that's probably just something that I don't need to even be upkeeping. But yeah, so go ahead and check out the links in the show notes and uh, support Jenny with her, with this bundle, because it's a really, really good deal. And I'm looking forward to just diving through and learning all the things, never stop learning and just working on being able to provide for your family in those little ways a little bit better until next time.